The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Jesus summoned the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over unclean spirits. He instructed them to take nothing for the journey but a walking stick, no food, no sack, no money in their belts. They were, however, to wear sandals, but not a second tunic. He said to them, Wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave. Whatever place does not welcome you or listen to you, leave there and shake the dust off your feet in testimony against them. So they went off and preached repentance. The twelve drove out many demons, and they anointed with oil many who were sick and cured them. The Gospel of the Lord. Scriptures speak to us this weekend, a sort of drawing together one common theme, namely to be chosen by God. In our first reading, we hear about Amos, the prophet. Amos is accused of being just one who kind of goes around prophesying just to kind of make his money, that that was his job. This is what we hear on the lips of Amaziah, the priest who was there in Bethel, as he chastises Amos today. He looks at him and he says, you're not welcome here. Because what often would happen was when a true prophet would come to preach, they wouldn't just come and say whatever was nice to hear. They would say the things that God wanted them to speak. And oftentimes what God wanted them to speak was a call of their people back to holiness. Because oftentimes they'd strayed. And so the news wasn't necessarily good news, at least from their experience. It seemed like kind of a a chastisement. It was hard because it called them to change. And so oftentimes the prophets will be rejected. And this is what we see in Amos. Amaziah looks up and he says, you're not welcome here. Go. Go earn your bread elsewhere in Judah. Go preach to them. Do what you do there. And Amos' response is an important one. It shows us... He says, I'm not a prophet. You know, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't raised a prophet. I'm not from the company of prophets. In that time, what often would happen is an individual would, would be essentially a self-proclaimed prophet. Or he would join a company of prophets. He would, he would join a group of people who would go out and they would, and they would prophesy. Essentially, they were kind of like financial advisors or life coaches. That the king would have an issue. He said, I, I, I want to go out on military battle. Prophets, what do you think? And the prophets would get together and they would discuss and maybe they would cast lots or these kinds of things. And maybe sometimes it was just simply that that they they would gather together and discuss it amongst themselves and they would come up with an answer of, yes, go do it, or no, don't do that. And so they would choose one way or the other. And, And so it was kind of like an advisory council, oftentimes for people of importance, these prophets. But this is not what Amos was. Amos wasn't one who had great wisdom and knowledge. He wasn't trained in the prophecies of, you know, of all of these things of the age. His response was, I was keeping sheep and tending trees when the Lord called me to do this. I didn't choose this. The Lord chose me. And he called me to come and to speak his word here. I was just taking care of the sheep. 
It's not my choice to come here. I'm not trying to earn my keep. I've got a better job that I can do that with, that I actually know what I'm doing. (laughs) But I've been called by God here to come to preach and to prophesy in this land. It's this reality that Amos had been chosen by God. And beautifully, as he points out, that he wasn't even prepared for the task necessarily. You see, the reality is that whenever God calls us, quite often the way in which God calls us is he calls those who are underqualified. In the scriptures, we see numerous accounts in which the Israelites were going out into battle. And the Lord looked at them and he said, you've got too many men on your side. Tell half of them to go home. (laughs) And so now that that there was no earthly reason that they should have victory because they were now undermanned and outgunned. And yet when they had victory... It was clear it wasn't by their strength. It was by the strength of God. And so this is what God often does. Is he takes ones who he knows are not necessarily up to the task themselves. That they can do it themselves. So that he can be their strength. And that his glory might be able to shine through them. The most important task of one who is chosen by God and called by God to do something. Is not personal ability but willingness to follow. This is the simple reality. As Amos has described, he was one who followed the sheep. (laughs) He was willing to trust. In the gospel, we see that the disciples are called to our Lord. They who already have been called by name, each of them, the twelve. And they're sent out two by two with authority over demons. We have a little list of things of what they're to take and not to take. And it can seem rather interesting or at least kind of filler space. You can take a walking stick, but no bag for money, no, you know, no, no money belt, no food for you along the journey. You can take your sandals. You can take one tunic, but not two. And you can kind of see like, well, I mean, maybe the Lord's just being practical in some regards. You know, don't, you know, don't stuff your bag too much or whatever. Um, but the reality is all of those things that the Lord was speaking to the disciples were realities where he was calling them to trust. Take a walking stick, yes, because the road will be tough. But food? Don't bring that. I'll provide that for you. Shelter? Don't worry about that. I'll provide that for you. Money? No need. I'll provide for you. Your sandals? Yes, take them. You need them on the road. A tunic? Yes, one is fine. But don't take two, because two tunics was essentially that if I don't have a place to stay overnight, I've got a second tunic to kind of wrap up so I make sure I don't freeze. A second tunic was a security blanket, literally. It was a way in which... Saying, I don't have to trust God that much. And so to go with these things exactly as the Lord describes them was for them to trust in profound ways. To be willing to trust that this is what God is calling us to and to be willing to follow. The simple fact is that God has not just called certain ones from the Old Testament times, or he doesn't just choose those who are called for great things. The fact is that God has chosen every one of us too. And it's an important thing to remember and to realize, to let it really resonate within our hearts, that God has chosen you. It's not by accident that you receive the gift of baptism, the seed of faith. 
It's not by accident that you're here today. It's because the Lord God, out of his love for you, chose you. He desired you to be part of the family of God. He wants to bless you. He wants to fill you with his grace. He wants to show you his love. This is the reality is that the incredible thing is that being chosen by God means we're necessarily being brought into something that shouldn't be ours to begin with. That none of us, by, own, by virtue of our, own, of our own goodness, of our own merit, of our own uh, you know, grace and abilities, none of us can say that I belong, you know, that, that, that heaven belongs to me or, or I should go to heaven. None of us can say that without the grace of God. But the simple reality is that because we've been adopted as children of God, as adopted in Christ, in the Father, chosen in the Son, we can. You and I can say that heaven is my inheritance. It's rightly mine. The grace of God is rightly mine. Again, not because I deserve it, but because God has made it so. He's brought me into the family. He's made me a member of the court. And this fact should scandalize us to a certain extent. It should shock us that the Lord God does these things. As many times as we know it, as often as we may think about it, the simple fact is that none of us deserves any of this. And yet, the Lord in his goodness still comes to us and he gives it generously. The response of our heart is something that we should take, take cue from our second reading today. St. Paul, in speaking in his writing to the letter to the Ephesians, our second reading is six sentences long today. If you look at it total, it's about a half a page. It's about four lines per sentence. In the original Greek of it, it was one sentence. One. And it wasn't just because St. Paul was a master of grammar. And he loved to add in extra clauses and phrases here, there, and everywhere. The simple reality is the fact that, that all of that praise was just of the joy of the reality of having been chosen by God himself. And not just himself, but with others. Listen to it again. It's, it's, it's an outpouring of, of praise and adoration. That we've been chosen by God. That we've been chosen in the Son. That we've been adopted. That we've brought into His grace. That we are here for the glory of God. That we, what, what a great mystery that we've been able to, to receive this inheritance. All of these things that are just pouring forth from the heart of St. Paul. And all of it. Every word of it. A sign of intense gratitude. Profound joy. That God has chosen me. It's shocking. And yet it's true. God has chosen you. Insufficient though we may sometimes be. Underqualified as we most often are. And yet he still calls us. And the reality that God has called us. That he has chosen us. That he has made us part of his family. Means that he has something he wants us to do. The simple reality is sometimes we think that God calls us to himself, that he consecrates us, that he chooses us. 
And then at least from our perspective, sometimes from fear, sometimes from lack of trust, or sometimes from you know, any number of, you know, any other number of reasons that we can make up, we feel as if, or we live as if, the Lord God says, please come into my house, be part of my family, stay in this room, don't touch anything, don't break anything, don't talk to anybody. <laughs> right? There's a sense where sometimes we can get this, this feeling that, that God, he wants us, but also, if, if I try to do anything, I'm just going to mess it up. So, I'll just do my Sunday Mass thing, kind of keep to the bare minimum. Not, you know, not try to do any ministries, not try to do outreach, not try to touch hearts. Because, you know, I, who am I, right? You know, I'll probably just break something, right? And so there's the sense in which we can be really reticent and, and, and hesitant to do the things that God is calling us to do. But the reality is God is calling us. One of the most amazing things, I think, is the fact that salvation, people going to heaven or hell, depends primarily on God, but also secondarily on you and me. Let that sink in. Whether people experience the joy of heaven or not is dependent upon you and me, at least partly. The entire reason we have a Bible is because God didn't just come and kind of blanket save the world. He interacted with people. He called individuals to go forth and to be prophets, to be teachers, to be kings, to be apostles, to be disciples, to be people who would go out and to heal, to be ones who would go out and to share the good news. Can God give us infused knowledge and just kind of mentally download to our brain the gift of the good news and salvation could he yeah absolutely just as a a cell phone can download anything and everything the lord could download to our minds the good news of salvation but he doesn't because he knows that that's not the way it's supposed to happen it's supposed to be from person to person heart to heart and this is where you and i come in that salvation of the people in ennis louisiana Morganza, Louisiana, Letsworth, Louisiana, Point Capi, wherever we are from. The salvation of hearts, salvation of souls, here and now, is necessarily tied to us. And that can be scary. Because who of us is qualified? But the good news is, it doesn't matter if we're qualified. God has still called us. He's still chosen us. Even if the only job that we're good at is taking care of sheep and, and, you know, fixing trees. If that's our job, God can still call us to do great things. Wherever we are, the Lord has chosen us. And he hasn't made a mistake. The task is ours now to take the things that we've been given by God and to go forth and to be prophets on our own day. To be a, you know, the, the apostles and disciples who go out and spread the good news. And what a blessed joy it is to be able to be such. As we come on off of this Holy Mass today, we give thanks to God for the grace that he has given to us. We thank him most especially that he has chosen us. That he has pulled us from the fires. 
that he has brought us to be children of God, members of the family of heaven. We ask that our hearts might continue to be able to trust in him and to follow him in all things, that wherever he calls us, we may be able to follow. And whatever he asks of us, we might be able to do, not by our strength, but by his grace. We ask this through the intercession of our Blessed Mother and all the angels and saints, especially our guardian angels. In the most holy name of Jesus. Amen.